on the drive home, I said, I don't want to feel like that ever again, mm. helpless. Like there's nothing I can do. And, and I told my dad, I wanted to be a surgeon, be the best surgeon in the whole world. I'll carry my bag, my medical bag with me everywhere I go and just save lives. And Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is the founder of Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center, where the focus is improving health of people through drugless solutions. He recently published The Stress-Proof Life, which documented the real-life stories of his most memorable patients while showing the readers the secrets to becoming the kind of person who is able to handle any amount of stress on that journey towards greatness. Holding Bachelor of Science degrees in Chemistry and Human Biology and a doctorate in chiropractic, he and his business serves over 18,000 patient visits annually. His past life as a consultant, he's worked with 18, he's worked with 18 chiropractic practices 16 of which were startup businesses that all reached profitability within the first three months of business launch. He attributes his success in opening practices to an intensive, systemized marketing plan implemented three months prior to business launch. Thank you And very he has much. personally opened two here. very successful chiropractic practices with a third on its way. I have with me today, Dr. Amir Rashidian, then using that to increase our productivity and focus on doing our best for our lives. But before we talk about how we can manage stress and how we can increase our resilience to stress, are you able to give us a little bit of history about yourself and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So I was nine years old. My dad and I were traveling through these remote villages in the country, Iran. And uh, that was when I decided I wanted to become a doctor. The reason for that was because in that particular village, which was very primitive, a woman went into labor and she was having tremendous pain and a lot of difficulties. And the midwife actually walked over and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. The, there's no heartbeat. The baby's not alive and she's not going to make it. And she mm-hmm. actually left. And everyone who was gathered around started to walk away, leaving her alone to slowly die a painful death in her husband's arms. And at the age of nine, I was looking into the eyes of this young woman who was just told she's she's dying. And, and I started to have this panic attack where you feel really helpless and chest feels tight and throat gets choked up. And Tears were coming down my eyes and my dad saw me, he picked me up, he held me, he carried me out of there, he calmed me down and the two of us climbed down the mountain to get our car to drive home. On the drive home, I said, I don't want to feel like that ever again, mm. helpless, like there's nothing I can do. And and I told my dad I wanted to be a surgeon, be the best surgeon in the whole world. I'll carry my bag, my medical bag with me everywhere I go and just save lives. And that was the plan for the next 10 years. I was a student at George Washington University and I was on that track to go to medical school and eventually become that medical doctor. Well, my sophomore year for Christmas break, I went home to visit my dad. Uh, Our house was in Maryland in the United States at this time. And I walked in and my dad had this big, thick, white neck brace around his neck. And you could tell he was under the influence of some heavy painkillers. And he was limp and numb from the shoulders down. He couldn't lift his arms to even give me a hug to say hello. 
And we ended up spending, you know, the next six weeks going from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what is wrong with my dad. And every doctor we went to said, this is beyond my scope. You're going to have to go to this other doctor. Finally, we ended up in the neurosurgeon's office. And as you know, neurosurgeons operate. They, they operate on the spine and the, and the brain. And this particular neurosurgeon took a look at my dad's MRIs and x-rays and said, you needed surgery yesterday. What are you waiting for? There's massive degenerative change in your spine. The spinal cord is being compressed. There's the, the life that flows from your brain to the rest of your body is being confined and you need surgery instantly. We got to take pressure off the spinal cord. And if we don't do it, this is not going to end well. You know, he said, there's a chance you're going to die. And this is going to be a big, long surgery, high risk. And he said, after the surgery, you may not regain function of your hands and you may not ever turn your head again. And, you know, nothing might change. Hopefully you'll have less pain. And mm -hmm. At the moment, my dad was already not doing anything. He, he had to sit in a chair all day and all night. He couldn't lie down because laying down was too much pressure on his neck. So he had to sit upright in a chair, even at night, in the dark waiting for someone to wake up and talk to him. And it was just a miserable life. And he couldn't use his hands. He couldn't dress himself. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't work. So we talked to three neurosurgeons. All three said he needs the surgery. We got in a taxi to go home. And I was sitting in the back of the taxi carrying all, the, all of dad's MRIs and x-rays and CTs and medical records, a big stack of films. You know, now they come on a CD, but this is 26 years ago. So that the, the, they didn't have CDs back then. I looked at my dad sitting next to me in the taxi and he was cringing and just looking at his eyes, I could tell he didn't want to live anymore. He was suffering way too much. Every bump that taxi hit was sending a lightning bolt of pain through his entire body. And I started to get emotional again, just like I did in that village 10 years prior when I saw the woman slowly die in her husband's arms and my throat's getting all choked up again. My chest feels tight and I'm having trouble breathing and tears are starting to well up in my eyes this taxi driver who's driving us looked at the rear view mirror and he said, sir, I noticed you're in a lot of pain and I know you asked me to take you home, but there's this chiropractor right down the street. Would you rather me take you there? And I was a 19 year old know-it-all. I didn't think there was any value to chiropractic. So I said, no, I thought that the only way to fix anything is drugs and surgery. But my dad being the wise man that he was, he said, why don't we try it? Maybe there's a chance we don't have to have this surgery. So we showed up to the chiropractor's office. Long story short, the guy took those MRIs and x-rays I was carrying in my hands, looked at all the MRIs. He said, I think I can help you. He said, it's going to be a tough road ahead, but if we adjust you and get pressure off these nerves over the next six to 12 months, I think you'll get some function back in your hands and, uh, and we'll see where we go from there. Well, dad went in there practically every day for the next six months. At the end of the six months, he walked into that office. He picked up a pen with his own name. He signed his own name on the sign-in sheet. It was the first time he could use his hands again. And he was so proud of himself that day. He held the, held the pen up in the air like this. He walked back and forth in the reception area. Everybody was looking at him going, who's this old man holding a pen over his head? But that was like a trophy he had overcome. He was proud of himself. And while he was doing that, the receptionist behind the counter, she started to cry because Every time my dad would go into that office, she had to write his name for him and she had to help him and guide him. But that day and every day after that, he was able to do everything again. He was able to work and provide for his family. And, you know, seeing all that, I decided I'd love to be able to do that with my hands is to, to help people recover without the drugs and surgery. So I went the chiropractic route, became a chiropractor. And the one thing that drives me, the, the, the thought that's always there, and I ask my patients this 
regularly is uh, when my dad was sick, when he was hurting, when he was suffering, was he the only one who suffered? And, you know, clearly the answer is no. It's the people who love him suffered as well. The people who cared about him suffered as well. And, and the next question is, if you let your health decline, if you don't take care of your body, your health, your life, who else are you hurting? Because a lot of us think that taking care of our ability to handle stress, taking care of our fitness level, our life, our nutrition, that it's a selfish thing, that we only do it because we do it for ourselves. The fact of the matter is that's selfless. The selfish thing would be to do nothing because, you know, it's so easy to just let it go. It's so easy to just eat whatever you want, not exercise and not sleep right and not take care of yourself. That's the selfish route. That's the easy route. The hard thing to do is take care of you, but do it for the reason of because you love your family, because you love the people who care about you. And so, you know, I've been a chiropractor for 20 years now, and uh, we've got a fantastic practice. We're opening more locations as we speak. We're a team of uh, 11 right now, always hiring and growing. And it's been a great ride. It's, it's been really good. Lots of people are benefiting from it, and hopefully they'll continue. One of the, the conversations that I usually have with budding entrepreneurs is, what's your why? What's your reason for doing what you want to do? And it looks as though you found your reason for being or doing quite early on. And it was fantastic that you got the opportunity to kind of realize that opportunity. And it's, it's always present because I think that experience was so close to yourself that you know, it's within reach and grasp when you're with your clients as well, because you understand the positive benefit of chiropractic in people's lives. Having the business 20 years, is that feeling or emotion still present when you're with clients in nowadays? That's a really great question. You know, at, at some point, it's very easy to just forget how hard it is for patients. Uh, you, you know, I have so many patients who, who just come to me and say, Doc, I think I'm just too stressed. And, and if I didn't have any stress in my life, all my problem would be gone. And, and it's so easy to just kind of blow that off and say, no, no, just, just go, go get healthier, you know, just do what I'm telling you. So I think it's a really good question. I would love to, I'd love to believe that most of the time that why is in front of me. I think about my dad regularly. He passed away when he was 88 years old. And at 88, he was younger than when he was 70, when all this was going on. At 88, he'd get up in the morning and go work out, go exercise, uh, go visit his friends. And his friends were in nursing homes, needing someone to take care of them, but not my dad. He was, he was strong and upright and, and happy. He would travel across the country and abroad and he would enjoy his life. And I would like my life to be like that when I'm 88 years old, able to do all those things. So yeah, you know, it's easy to let it slide and forget about that why, but I try not to. I like to hopefully believe that I, I do a good job of staying focused on that. Yeah, and just for our listeners, what's the core function of a chiropractor? You know, there's so many different types of chiropractors, just like there's so many different types of medical doctors, and we all specialize in different things and focus on different things. So I'll tell you, uh, in my practice and with our patients, we love to start out by helping someone feel better. So typically our patients come in because they're in some type of pain. Yep. The way we get rid of that pain is by optimizing the functions of the body, removing interference that keep the body from functioning properly. And, you know, if some people want to stay at that level and they just want their pain gone and, and they, they don't want to go any further, that's okay. But most people realize that once they feel better, it's time to get stronger. 
And chiropractic is amazing at helping the body become stronger because the nervous system controls everything that happens in the body. As you remove interference from the nervous system, you optimize and tune those nerves to vibrate, to function at the right level. Now your strength level goes up. And I'm not just talking about strength where you can lift more weights. I'm talking about your resiliency towards stress and anything that can make you sick, including the immune system cardiovascular system, the digestive system, you improve the musculoskeletal system included, you improve all those functions. Now, if, if a patient says, okay, what's the next level? I feel better. I'm stronger. Well, now we focus on longevity because again, we can Im- increase your lifespan. Age is the number of years you have remaining, not the number of years you have lived. If you look at it that way, you can always add years to your life by doing the right things. Once we focus on longevity and create those habits in people that allow them to start to live longer and longer, then the focus becomes, and this is the fun part, is always feel younger. Feel younger than your age. Be able to do the things you didn't think you could do. So, so start out, feel better, then get stronger, then live longer and feel younger. And that's, that's what we do in our practice. And when it comes to stress, are you able to immediately tell when your clients are undergoing some form of pressure in their lives or stress as they're walking in or you know, as, you're, as you're carrying out the session with your clients? Yeah, so let's do this. Let's define stress the way I see stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I truly believe stress is not a, new, is not a negative thing. I also don't think it's a positive thing. I firmly believe that stress is right down the middle neutral. It's perfectly neutral. Stress is like the, the stress I put my, on my muscles when I lift weights. You know, if I do it improperly, I'll get injured. If I do it correctly, I'll get stronger and more fit. So you can't say that stress was bad or good. Stress is like money. Money can fund terrorist activity or money can put your kids through college. It's not good or bad. It's how you use it. Anger, same exact thing. Someone can get angry and have that righteous anger push them into a path that'll do great things. Someone also get angry and commit a crime, right? So it wasn't the anger, it was what you did with it. It's the energy that's inside of you. Stress, I believe, is a force. And it's a force that can cause change in your life. So that change can be a good change or it can be a bad change. Mm. But regardless, it's a change. So your body responds to stress. I'll give you a case study. This I wrote about in my first book. Imagine a school teacher, and this is a real person. We'll call her Lauren. She came to our office and she said, Doc, I have this neck pain. My neck just catches every few days and I can't turn my head. It hurts to turn my head, it turns into a headache and really bothers me. I got to take some, you know, over-the-counter anti-inflammatories and painkillers. It feels better. So I go, all right, listen, this is kind of strange because you, nobody's neck should keep catching over and over and over. What else is going on in your life? Well, she's a school teacher, school teacher with a lot of stress. So what is the stress response of the average human body? You've heard of the term fight or flight. Fight or flight is when the body is preparing for a fight or a run, right? You know, and the physiologic response is the pupils dilate, right? Blood leaves the face and blood goes to the muscles. Digestive tract stops or slows down. The immune system suppresses and stops and basically you're ready to fight. Now, adrenaline gets released, blood pressure goes up, pulse goes up, and bronchioles in your lungs, they dilate so you can get more oxygen. Basically, just ready to take action. The neocortex 
slows down or shuts down, the blood leaves, goes to the primitive parts of the brain. So you can't really think that well anywhere either. So let's talk about this chronic stress, right? So this, this young lady goes to work, right? And she's, she's a middle school teacher. Now, middle school, if you've seen these kids, some of them look like they're in their 20s. Some of them look like they should be in elementary school. They all develop at different rates. They're all in the middle school. Let's say they don't listen. They misbehave, whatever it is. So there's the stress. Then the parents come in and yell at her because their kids aren't doing the right thing. And then you got the administration in the school saying, as a teacher, you should be doing these, this, this, and this. And, and they're trying to dictate how you run your curriculum. So she's being pressured by three different sides, right? And then let's assume when she goes home, her husband yells at her and says, why do you have to sit there and grade papers all night? Why can't we have a nice evening together? And she goes, well, because I have work to do. And then when she goes to sleep, she puts her head on her pillow at night and she says, I'm too tired to sleep. I'm too tired to fall asleep. I call that wired and tired where thoughts are racing. We've all had that right at moments in our lives where we just can't slow down the mind to fall asleep. So that's a person in chronic sympathetic overdrive. That's a person in chronic fight or flight. So I said, what else is going on in your life? She said, well, you know, my cholesterol's high. My blood pressure is starting to creep up a little bit. I always have dry eyes, dry mouth, and dry skin. See, the blood leaves the face, right? I have cold hands and cold feet even in the summer. Why? Because the capillaries are constricted all the time when you're in fight or flight. She said, I get indigestion and I have chronic constipation. Well, again, if you're in fight or flight constantly, chronically, the digestive system slows down. And she goes, I have this sinus infection that comes back a couple times a year. Nobody should get a sinus infection twice a year. She didn't get it ever, you know, but twice a year, that's a lot of sinus infections. So she's like, you know, the doctor has me on cholesterol medication. And, and she said, I have this belly fat right around the midsection that when I diet, whatever, it will not go away. I can't lose it. Again, when cortisol levels are high, your body stores body fat. And where does that body fat go? In the midsection. In the, for men, it's the gut. You know, it's the abdomen. For women, it'll be the hips. But that's where we store our body fat. Now, if you have sugar metabolism issues, you'll have upper back fat. That's besides the point. So I said, listen, um, if your body's in chronic fight or flight, when we flip that switch to parasympathetic, a lot of these things should go away. And that's exactly what happened is as, as you get the nervous system to be able to go, now the opposite of fight or flight is rest and repair, right? Imagine you just had a gigantic meal with a small little bit of glass of wine and now you're sitting on the couch in front of your TV with your feet up on the coffee table and your eyelids feel really heavy and you're relaxing, that's the opposite. That's parasympathetic. And that's when your body's digesting. At that point, your pupils are not dilated. You actually feel more flush in the face. Your hands are not gonna be cold. Your digestive system will be rapid. Your immune system will start to pick up. All of those things happen. If we don't have balance between those system, two systems in the body, we cannot process stress and we will break down. It seems as though your job is more than just releasing tension throughout the spine, isn't it? It's understanding holistically what, what's going on in someone's life in, in terms of the root causes of, let's say, for example, stress. Because as you mentioned there, you know, chronic stress, the forces of that stress isn't necessarily from the same things. They're from different areas of our lives and it causes us to have that, that response. And it's about understanding those triggers, but then also looking inner to our body and saying, well, how, how is that affecting our body? And how can we help repair that? 
hundred percent brilliantly put, you know, and here's the thing is, is we all have stress. I, when I joking around, I say, you want to reduce stress, quit your job and leave your family. Mm. Because the biggest sources of stress come from that is, is your, your career and your family. But, but who wants to leave them? You know, if you have a dream in life, you want to do something incredible or amazing, what, you're never going to do it unless you're willing to face the stress. There's obstacles, roadblocks. If it was easy, everybody would do it and everybody would be there. But you have a dream. Let's say you want to go to continuing education and you want to get more degrees. Well, let's, you better be willing to handle the stress. You want to have a larger family. You want to, you, someone wants to get married. Well, believe it or not, it's not going to be stress-free. I, trust me. You know, you want more kids in your life. Why? Every child comes with a little bit of stress also. Everything that is good, everything that makes you happy, everything that brings you joy to your life, everything that makes you feel fulfilled and accomplished will come with stress. So your job is to become the kind of person who can handle any amount of stress on that road to greatness, on the road to being amazing and incredible and awesome. And the stress is what's going to make it happen. Yeah. And I get a lot of people coming up to me and, and, and asking me, you know, how do I manage my stress? I'm stressing out a lot. And, I'm, and my first question to them is, well, what's your stress threshold? Like how much stress can you comfortably maintain or handle to allow you to do the work that you do? You know, so, and one of the examples I give is, you know, are you a person that tends to leave their work to the last minute, right? And within the, the last couple minutes or hours that you have to do the work, what's your productivity like? And how long can you sustain that for? Because that's how you understand what your threshold is and then how long you can sustain that. Because that's, for me, one of the, the ways I manage my workload is looking at, you can say it's the energy level because, you know, stress gives me that energy. But it's also understanding that if I go past a certain threshold, then I'm not productive at all. You know, I lose concentration. I can't focus. But once you understand that area, you can kind of manage it. 100%. Exactly. We run a test that's called heart rate variability. It's an easy test to do, but it measures the space between your heartbeats and it can graph and tell you whether you're stuck in fight or flight or you're not and how balanced your nervous system is. And that, that's always been a very eye-opening test, but it's the exact same thing to you. You can do what you said, which is just monitor yourself. You start to see that you're forgetting things. That means you're in fight or flight because memory suffers when you're stuck in fight or flight. You can focus and concentrate and get your work done. You're not. You're doing good. Talking about resilience and resilience to, to stress and handling more stress, what are some of the ways that you go about managing your stress levels? Great question. You know, sometimes you got to go with the countercultural, counterintuitive thing. I always think it starts with, this is going to make me better. This is going to help me be, you know, more and have more and do more. And so it's the mentality of, you know, if we, if I sit there and go, oh my gosh, there's so much stress, just right off the bat, I'm putting myself in a bad position and then you freeze and you won't do it. So having said that, the number one thing, and again, because I'm a chiropractor, I really value the function of the nervous system. Anytime there's a misalignment in the spine, 
it causes a sympathetic response. So those misalignments need to be checked and corrected on a regular basis. Most people have misalignments in their spine. If, if you've lived any number of years, you've done something that would cause that, whether it's your patterns and habits of how you get out of bed and how you sit at your desk and how you brush your teeth, all of those can affect that. So that's one. Another one is if we were uh, during the birth, there may have been trauma to the spine and that would have caused misalignments right at birth. Now that aside, get your spine checked regularly to make sure there's no misalignments. After that, there's, I call it the simple seven, seven things that, that I like to make sure I incorporate in my life all the time. And again, those are in my first book, but I'll mention a few of them. One is sunlight. Sunlight is so tremendously good for us. You know, and, and I'm not saying go stand in the sun for an hour, you know, it's 15 minutes once a day. Do it before 10 a.m. and or after 4 p.m. You know when the sun's not that bright and less risk of burning. Uh, you know if you don't damage your skin, you're not going to get skin cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of research shows that skin cancer is actually reduced when you do proper sunbathing, and also your skin takes sun rays, converts cholesterol. To vitamin D. Now that's the thing. Everybody knows that skin makes vitamin D when hit with the sun, but most people don't know. I was a chemistry major in undergrad. And when you look at the molecular structure of cholesterol, it's almost identical to all these really cool hormones like vitamin D, because it can act like the hormone, but also things like serotonin and testosterone and estrogen and, and growth hormone, and all the, a lot of even adrenaline and cortisol, a lot of those, their basis is cholesterol. And so your skin will take cholesterol and convert it to vitamin D. Now, vitamin D reduces heart disease. Vitamin D reduces arthritis. Vitamin D reduces uh, osteoporosis. Vitamin D is good for your mind to think and relax. It's good for your mood. Also, sunshine in the sun. You've heard of seasonal affect disorder where people get depressed when they don't get a lot of sun. If you're getting some sun, mm. there's less chance of you being depressed or having those anxiety disorders. So tremendously helpful. Uh, one is sleep. You know, how are we sleeping? I always say this. So first off, like I said, a lot of things are counterintuitive and countercultural. People say, oh, you need eight hours of sleep. I think you need good sleep. And not so much the number of hours, but deep, deep sleep, deep relaxing sleep is what you need. And the deeper you go in your sleep cycles, the more benefit you get from it. There are these things called beta amyloids that build up in the brain. It's like toxins in the brain. And those are the ones that have lead to placking, which leads to things like Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, when we sleep properly, the brain cleanses those and clears those out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like I said, how uh, your skin will cause the sun ray, take the sun rays and convert cholesterol to vitamin D. In the dark, when you're sleeping, your skin turns the darkness, uses the darkness and makes melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone that's important for our well-being as well. So before you go to bed, if you start to dim the lights early in the evening and you turn the temperature down and make your house kind of cold, you'll start to produce melatonin right away. And then you'll go to sleep. I don't believe in taking melatonin as a supplement unless you're taking like a half a milligram, one, maximum three milligrams. Unfortunately, in the market, I rarely see less than five milligrams in a pill, which is too much because at some point, if you take five milligrams or more, you're telling your body, I already slept. I already mm. produced the melatonin that I need. Mm. And then it's harder for you to sleep. Even if you sleep really well that night, the following night, there's a rebound effect where you don't sleep well. So I think melatonin supplementation should be taken when you're traveling, when you're in a different time zone. 
because if you sleep in a different bed, research shows half of your brain never sleeps if you're not in your own bed because of a protective mechanism where, hey, I'm in a strange bed or I'm in a different place, something bad might happen. I have to be ready. You sleep lighter. You wake up much easier. So, you know, in those circumstances, a couple milligrams of melatonin is good for you. I'll give you just one more of the simple seven is breathing. This started from this article. Uh, I think it was 2014 in December, New England Journal of Medicine. Now, you know, it's a very prestigious peer-reviewed medical journal, but the article said, where does fat go when you burn it? Because they surveyed a bunch of people from fitness experts to nutritionists, to dietitians, to medical doctors, to surgeons, to chiropractors. I mean, they asked everybody, where does fat go when you burn fat or when you lose fat? And it, it, it was, it, the question was started by a guy who lost hundred pounds. He went to his doctor and said, where did that hundred pounds go? And he didn't have an answer for him. So he asked everybody. And the answers people gave were, oh, it turns into heat. Somebody said it, you excrete it in urine and feces. Somebody said it turns into muscle. Somebody said, you know, it turns into energy. They said all these things. So again, you go back to the molecular structure of fat, which is triglyceride. The molecular triglyceride has 52 carbon atoms in it. Well, when we breathe in, we take in oxygen. What do we exhale? Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Well, so the oxygen goes in, grabs one of those carbons and pulls it out. So literally when you're burning fat, you're exhaling the fat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of experts know that it's the breathing when you're exercising that helps you lose fat and burn fat. And that was the, that was the answer of the whole research project. And so there's breathing techniques we can do. So think about this fight or flight, right? Let's say I'm sitting here with you. We're having a fantastic conversation. Suddenly the ground starts to shake. The ceiling tiles start falling on my head and the window breaks. I'm going to go into fight or flight. Do you think I'm going to breathe a sigh of relief or do you think I'm going to gasp for air? It'll be a gasp. Well, inhale is sympathetic. Inhale is that stress response. Exhale is parasympathetic because when I find out someone's just playing a joke on me and it's safe and there's no danger, that's when I exhale. So when we're stressed, we hold our breath and our ratio of inhale to exhale becomes one to one. And if that stays like that, you stay in chronic stress, chronic sympathetic overdrive. So if you take a minute twice a day and do a breathing technique where you inhale, let's say for a count of seven, and make sure you exhale for a count of 14, which is twice as long. You shift your body from fight or flight to parasympathetic, rest and repair, and this stuff goes away. And the best time to do it is right before a meal. Because when do people eat their food? Is, is Especially, you know, here in America, we are uh, on the go all the time. No, nobody sits down for breakfast, right? Lunch, you get through a drive-through, in high traffic, while you're talking on the phone, you're eating, you're yelling at the person in front of you, and you're, you're trying to do a business deal, I don't care how healthy that food is. If your body is in fight or flight, your digestive system is not working and is not gonna process that food. But if you take 10 breaths, where you breathe in for a count of seven, exhale for a count of 14, you shift it. And then why don't you sit down for food and, and why don't you play some classical music, maybe some Baroque, classical music, just get the mind right and say a prayer of gratitude and then enjoy your food. Even if you only have five minutes to eat lunch, eat less, but don't eat fast. Don't rush through. Mm -hmm. The mealtime should be sacred. 
are we able to go through the remaining four? Because the three that you've provided are core teachings that are usually mentioned and they're fantastic in terms of helping us manage our stress. Absolutely. Let's fly through those. One of those is visualization. You know, and some people get so intimidated when you use the word meditate, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be a complicated meditation thing because right now I can ask our audience here, just close your eyes and imagine the most attractive person standing in front of you. The hormonal makeup of your entire body will change immediately. Mm-hmm. I can say, hey, can you remember your most favorite vacation? And immediately you go back there and I go, wait a minute, now really remember it. What did it smell like? Uh, were you on the beach or were you in the mountains? Were you by a lake? Where were you? You know, what, what, were your feet in the sand? Could you feel the breeze? Were there seagulls flying? Could you feel the warmth of the sun? And it, all of a sudden, it's the same as when you visualize biting into a slice of lemon or lime, you know, and you, your mouth starts to water. All of that is visualization. We can, you know, and worrying is visualizing all the bad stuff. And telling yourself it's really going to happen and living through your nightmares. Why would you do that? So what I recommend is you take 60 seconds once a day and just think about what you really want. What do you want? And it, it can be something you already had in the past or something you're working towards in the future, whatever it might be. But just 60 seconds, you take a break and just think about something really good and then just come back to reality. Humongous. Another one is I'm a fan of supplementation. I believe it's it's tough to get every bit of nutrition in your diet. So, okay, so he, here's the way I explain it. Imagine that there's three dimensions to everything when it comes to health and well-being. Those three dimensions are physical, psychological, and biochemical. Mm-hmm. The biochemical dimension. So each of those, imagine if each dimension has two sides, like two sides of a coin. When the physical dimension, one side is exercise, but the other side of the coin is rest. If you're not balancing the exercise with the rest, you're wasting your time. And incidentally, that's one of the simple seven is specific types of exercise. In the psychological dimension, kind of what we talked about with visualization is, you know, you got to feed your mind with good thoughts, but you also have to block the bad stuff. So don't watch the news with bad news right before you go to bed. You will not get a good night's sleep. And then on the biochemical dimension, where I talk about supplementation, I believe that you have to feed the deficiencies, but also avoid toxicity. So there's toxins in our environment we have to avoid, and there's certain things everybody's deficient in, and we need to feed those. In North America, a lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. You know, besides getting in the sun, you may want to supplement vitamin D. You should test yourself. You should do a blood test and find out what your vitamin D levels are. You know, minerals. Do you know that a lot of people absorb minerals through their feet, but who's walking barefoot in dirt anymore? You know, you ever notice people go on vacation and and they go to the beach and they go, oh, I sleep so good by the beach. It must be the sound of the waves. I don't think it's the sound of the waves. It's because you walk barefoot in the sand. First off, the ground acts like a ground, right? Electrical ground, like the charges of your body leave. So you ground into the, you know, you, you balance your electrical system, but also you absorb minerals through your, you have the biggest pores in your feet. So you absorb minerals through your feet. In fact, it's one of the cures for insomnia. You can't sleep. Go walk on grass for 10 minutes barefoot and go back to bed. You'll probably sleep better. And then another reason you sleep really well at the beach is because the, when the water waves crash through the air, they ionize the air. Breathing in ionized air has anti-cancer properties and it relaxes the body. 
So fantastic way of doing this. So, you know, minerals are very good. Make sure you have proper minerals. One of the good sources of mineral is sea kelp. There's supplement companies that will bottle sea kelp. Another one is liver. So cow liver has the greatest sources of vitamin D. I don't believe in plant-based vitamins because oxygen is poison to plants. Carbon dioxide is what plants need. Humans are opposite. Animals are opposite. Right, so now animal antioxidants are very different than plant antioxidants. Animals do need antioxidants, but it's other supplements, uh, other substances. And so uh, the best type of antioxidant with high source of vitamin B comes from liver. And so if you can eat liver once a week, that's great. If not, find supplements that have liver, cow liver in it. It's great for you. It uh, keeps you energized, prevents that afternoon crash, you know, you'll probably need less coffee. So anyway, supplements, you know, music is another one. If you've ever been at a wedding and when the first fast song starts to pump through those big speakers, you'll see people who look very calm and reserved and they're dressed nice, you know. Also, you see them jump out of their seat, turn into wild, crazy animals, start jumping up and down and screaming because it's, this, it's their favorite song. And it's because that song instantly took them back to the best moments of their life. Mm-hmm. Well, if music can do that, what better than a time machine? Literally, it's better than a time machine because it will physiologically change every molecule of your body in an instant. If you have a favorite song and everybody does, you just need to hear the first note and you remember where you were and what you were doing. And you know what? Emotionally, you're back in that state right there. You can be super angry and suddenly you're happy or you're sad if it reminds you of a, you know, someone who hurts your feelings or someone who broke up with you when you didn't want them to or whatever it was. But music is so powerful. So play some good music once a day. Mm. I did mention exercise. That's one of them. I'll tell you um, a brief story. I had an aunt named Aunt Simi. I was seven years old. My dad said, Aunt Simi's coming over. She just left the doctor. And they told her she only has six weeks to live because she has terminal breast cancer. And Aunt Simi came over to the house and everybody was really reserved and we were sad but aunt simi walked in and she had the biggest smile on her face and she 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 was one of those uh, slightly heavy set ladies who always dressed really nice had too much makeup on all the time but she was just a joyful lady well she walked into our living room this is again 38 years ago she walked in and she put a took a cassette i don't know if anybody knows what cassettes are anymore but put it in the uh, cassette player and pushed play that big fat button that used to push and these giant speakers came to life and this music started to play and and see me started to dance and then she grabbed my mom and pulled her into the center of the living room and made her dance with her and then grabbed my dad and he started dancing with her, chased me around the living room until she caught me and then pulled me into the living room, middle of the living room and made me start dancing with her. And all of us are dancing for like three and a half minutes. And then the music ended. And she said, listen, if I only have six weeks, I want to celebrate every one of those days. I want to enjoy myself. And that music is going to help me do that. So I'm going to play that song every day. And what happened was she started to get weak as the chemotherapy started and all that. She lost her hair. She was weak. Once a day, two people would hold her up by the arms and she would stand up as little strength as she had. 
She'd play that music. She'd kind of bob her head and tap her foot. That's all she could do. But little by little, she started getting strength back and, and her hair grew back and she got, she was able to get up and dance again and all that. You know, she still died of cancer. She died of breast cancer, but she lived 10 years, not six weeks, 10 years. During those 10 years, she played that song and danced to it every single day. And it was 10 years of partying and celebrating and what a life. I'd love to spend 10 years like that. You, you know, so, so music is so powerful. We talked about sleep. We talked about breathe. We talked about exercise, light. And that's seven. So light, like sunlight, visualization, movement. Repetitive rhythmic movement is tremendously valuable. Keep in mind, everything in your body is a rhythm. Your heart is a rhythm. Your breathing is a rhythm. Your cerebrospinal fluid is a rhythm. Your hormonal cycles are rhythm. Everything is a rhythm. So whatever you do that's rhythmic is going to be good for you. Marching, walking, dancing, exercise that has rhythm to it is good for us. Supplementation we talked about, that's number four. Music was number five. Breathing is number six. And sleep is number seven. Thank you so much for those tips. They're fantastic strategies. And I hope that our listeners, even just implementing one at a time slowly into their daily routine, like you said, you know, having that consistency and structure, and that will help you with, I guess, understanding the rhythm of your body as well. Let's talk more about your business, Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center. How long have you had the business for? Talk to me about one key challenge and how are you managing through the current circumstances with COVID-19? Okay. Love the question. When the whole thing happened with the pandemic and everything started to shut down, you know, news was getting around, oh, they shut down restaurants, they shut down gyms, and they'll probably shut us down too. And then one plus was the federal government and our state government both said chiropractic is essential because we have a lot of people who are in pain and we don't want them to resort to pain medication and be addicted to opioids. And, and so for that reason, they said you're essential, but they said you can only see critical cases. You cannot do your wellness stuff. And so we had to slow down. And I got my team together. And I told you we're, we're a team of 11 people right now. And we, we sat down. And I said, hey, listen, if we sit around and expect life to change, the circumstances to change, we're going to waste many, many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just pretend? Let's play a game. Let's just pretend this is exactly how it's always going to be. The world is different. It's going to stay this way. How would we conduct business if it never changes? And so everybody started to pop out ideas and we quadrupled our marketing budget and we started talking to people about feeling better and, and managing stress through the tough times. And, you know, our, our business did well. We, we continued to grow, you know, now that we're, you know, kind of through it and things are opening back up the we're hitting higher numbers than we ever hit before. And in fact, right before the pandemic started, I had just signed a lease on a new location to expand our practice. And then we were thinking, should we follow, go through with it or not? Well, next week we open our doors uh, with, with that location as well. And, and uh, it's, it's been going well, but I think it was because, so I'll tell you one other thing that really helps with stress in tough times. As the leader, you have to understand everybody's looking at you. Everybody's watching you. You're on stage from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk out. It takes my staff literally three seconds to know if Dr. Amir is in a good mood or a bad mood. Three seconds. They know it. They know, they know by my walk. They're like, oh, Doc's in a bad mood today. I can't afford to be in a bad mood. It's, it, you can't do that. So when something goes wrong and it's disaster, I, I think it, it, I was nine years old. 
or no, I, this was also when I was seven, actually living in Iran, the bombing started. And I remember one night, this was the first night we were staying in the capital, which is Tehran that night. And my mother said, don't forget to turn on your radio before you go to bed tonight. So I, I turned on the radio, turned up the volume, and it was silent. There was no programming on this one station. And I went to bed, and a little after midnight, this loud siren blared through the radio. I jumped out of bed, ran out the room with my family, ran out the front door, ran down the hallway, ran down the stairs, all the way down to the basement where all the other people from this building were waiting. And it was dark and damp and cold. And then we heard this roar of this plane right overhead. Then we heard the whistle of a bomb that had just been dropped. And that whistle is getting louder and louder as the bomb is getting closer and closer, but you can't tell where it is. It's too high pitched. So it could be right over your head or it could be a block away. And all you have to do is just sit there and wait and hope. And I'm terrified. What am I doing in that moment right there? First off, it's the ultimate stress. When you think your life might end in the next minute, that's the kind of stress no one should experience, but it is intense and it's severe. Some people, I only experienced that that one night, but some people ex experienced that every night for hundreds of nights. What was I doing at that moment? I was looking at my dad. Dad was there, calm, cool. Everything's fine. Don't you worry. This is okay. It's not a big deal. We're safe here. And guess what? I felt fine. I was calm. I was okay. And you know, our employees, our team members, our patients, they look at us. And they go, are you calm? If you're calm, they'll be calm. If you, so manage your personal energy state. One of the biggest things you can do as a leader is manage. So clarify the vision, sell that vision, and manage your, your state, your personal energy state. Very, very important. Once you do that, you also need to improve team chemistry all the time. Because how your team is cohesive, how they care about each other, determines how much you accomplish and how much you do. So it's very important. Everybody's on, on the same team, thinking about the same vision, working towards the greater good, right? And they're managing their energy state as well. Yeah, and I love that you were able to workshop this new format with the entire team. You know, it's the, this, this is the, the workforce. This is the, I guess, the, the blood of the, the company and, and why we need to be in business is because I need to support you guys in your career, but also your pathway to success, right? Your own own vision of your success. So that's a fantastic. And I, I wish you massive success, not just for this business, but the one that's opening up next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's wonderful. Dr. Amir, is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you'd like to quickly mention? So this is more towards the entrepreneurs, but, but it's also for, for anyone who has a dream anyone who wants something that they're working towards. And, and sometimes, you know, you're working toward it and you, you feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels and you're not getting anywhere yet. Keep this one quote in mind that Bruce Lee said that there are no limits, only plateaus. And I firmly believe that's true. There really are no limits, but only plateaus. And I want you to know and understand, a lot of people say health is more important. You know, you have to be healthy. And, and they say, what use is achieving amazing things if you're not healthy? I kind of agree with that, but I want to take it to the next level because, all right, what use is health if you don't have a way to enjoy it? 
So I think it goes hand in hand. Those of you who have dreams, those of you who are entrepreneurs, those of you who are trying to build a business or provide for your family or you, you, you want to have an extravagant life that you would enjoy, I want you to go for it. Don't sacrifice your health, but don't sacrifice your dream for your health either. I firmly believe the two go hand in hand and the successful person has both. They're healthy and they have their goals and dreams. Yeah, and I think it's about understanding that balance as well and the balance that you ultimately prefer. If, if it's just the case that, you know, there has to be some form of, of sacrifice to a degree, um, but it gets you the ultimate fulfillment, then why not, right? Because we're fragile, we will eventually pass away. So if we get that ultimate fulfillment in our lives, and that's more the reason for us to do it. 100% agree. Talk to Ramir. Thanks for joining me today on The Stressless Entrepreneur. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your story and the amazing tips about how we can manage our stress. My pleasure. It was, it was a joy and uh, anytime. There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into The Stressless Entrepreneur podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel, and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at thestresslessentrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.